Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing. Nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. All right, welcome in to another edition of the JP Peterson Show on this playoff Tuesday as the Lightning gets set to embark on another Stanley Cup quest in the playoffs. And uh, it has taken so long to get here. I kind of feel like the the regular season has been a, a complete preseason to what's about to happen. So welcome in. We're going to jump in on the bolts. Uh, we got lots of Buck stuff to talk about. Some interesting interviews yesterday with Tristan Wirfs and Kyle Trask, who said the competition is open. Let's get it on. Um, among the rest of a very, um, let's see, unexciting. I don't want to say it's boring, do I? Okay, boring press conference from Kyle Trask. Uh, but that, of course, does not a football player make. It's about making plays, so who cares about the press conference, right? But we got lots to talk about. We'll get into that. The Rays lose again in Cincinnati, their house of horrors. So lots to get into today. We got NBA playoffs. We got NHL playoffs. We got everything. Good morning to you, Nick Geddes, and I got a sneeze. Hey, I'll get, let you get that sneeze break out of the way there. Allergies are kicking in. Good morning. The allergies are kicking. Good morning. Yeah, what's Good up? morning. A great day in Tampa Bay. Yeah, it is. Great day. It's playoff. It's playoffs, baby. It's playoffs. It's so funny. Like, it's, it's, we start tonight with Toronto. We've talked a lot about it. it felt like, I feel like we've been pl- previewing this playoff series for, what, three months now? I know. So we're like, okay, so what, what should we start with this morning? Should we go in on the uh, – and I'm like, well, you were like the Bucks. The Bucks, like the Bucks. This, this is some interesting stuff. we got to get to the Bucks. And I'm like, yeah. It's kind of like how it is. It feels like it's a little bit more fun to talk about because we're just kind of waiting to see what happens with the Lightning. Seriously, I just, it's just exactly what it feels like. It's like we've talked about it. We've set up the series. There's a lot of different fun storylines going into this. But the bottom line is I don't know. I don't know what team we're going to see tonight. You know, maybe this Lightning team just is not as good because of the loss of McDonough and Palat and, and Ruda. And the guys that have replaced him have just not been able to get the team to play as good defensively as they were. Or is it the predominant feeling that I've had for for months and months and months is this team is mentally and physically exhausted. They're just doing everything they can to get into the playoffs and just and 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 you know and then revive and ready to go. I should say was mental. They were mentally and physically exhausted. I think they've been pointing. In just like like I used this analogy before, I'll use it again, like a marathon runner. You know, they've just been kind of cruising in the middle of the pack and just, you know, when they need to give a little kick to make sure that they're, you know, going to be up in the, you know, for the final two-mile two sprint, that they're going to be in position to go. And that's all that they've really been concerned about, conserving energy, conserving everything as much as they can because they've, they've run a bunch of marathons before. They know how this works. So it's like I'm not going to just go out there like, you know, and start running sprinting because I got a new coach in Boston and we're just going to be the greatest team ever. And then when you get to the playoffs, you're spent because you spend it all on getting, you know, making a record regular season run. We'll see. Boston won last night 3-1, to but I watched a good portion of that game. I didn't think they were the dominant team. 
I thought the Panthers were a better team for most of the first two periods and, anyway. And Boston didn't even have Bergeron in that game, they, they did mind not. you. They did not. But I, I agree with you. I thought Florida was the better team for majority yes. of that and was push and play. Yeah, yeah. Omark was good last Omar night. Omark was really, really, good. really good last <laughs> night. I think he was the difference in the game. So the point being is these are going to be different teams in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. All of them are. And, you know, Toronto's going to be different. They've, they've changed their entire makeup of their team to emulate the yeah. Lightning to be better in the playoffs. Will it work? We don't know. We've never seen Toronto yeah. do it. We've seen Tampa Bay do it. So, you know, I think to me it's a huge mystery. Are um, you know, all these subpar numbers for Vasilevsky, does it, does it mean he's slipping at age 28 or 20? No, <laughs> he's in his prime. It means the players in front of him maybe may not be as good, but it also means when he flips the switch, he's going to be that guy. And it may not be in game one. Like last year, they got, they were pretty much Toronto had their way the first, you know, every other game, they, and they were scoring. But when it came down to backs against the wall, you had two to one. He let in one goal in the final yep. in the final game. So, like I've said before, until they show me they can't do it in a full series, I'm going to think that they're going to do it. And I think honestly, this this is a good matchup for for the Lightning. I think you know Toronto's good, but they're they're playoff chokers. It's what they are. They have been. But like I've been saying, they're, they're, at some point, I believe Toronto is going to break through with this core. This core is just way too good. It's way too talented, filled, in my opinion, for them not to break through at some point. And I have this feeling this could be that year for Toronto. Now, here's the thing, though. What's different about this year is they are the favorite in every way you look at it. I mean, I don't know if you've been paying attention. I know the Lightning are paying attention, but... It seems like everybody that's got an opinion on this series has Toronto winning with ease. With ease, Toronto mm-hmm. winning the series. Yeah. And that's the difference this year. The Lightning are playing the underdog role. So how do they respond to being in the underdog role? I think it's a good thing for a team that's seen almost everything. Yes. And that's the one thing I don't think they've seen in a long time is being the a true underdog. Yeah. And this should definitely fire them up. You know, I'm Cooper's going to have all the headlines and everything posted on the walls in there and let everybody know that everybody is doubting him. All the national pundits are doubting him. The Lightning can't do it. Too old, whatever. That's got to light their fire. It's got to. I hope so. You wanna, you're basically, because Toronto is like probably the team, like everybody has their teams in Canada, but mm-hmm. I would say Toronto is probably, we're assigning that as the team of Canada, right? Right. So it's almost like you're going up against a whole country and you're trying to ruin an entire party. Right. That's what you're doing, essentially. Yeah. And I think when you look at it from that standpoint, you've got to be salivating at the opportunity to do that. Right. But also, that puts a lot of pressure on Toronto. Yes. And that's the stuff that we don't really feel here in this marketplace. We don't really feel that. And it's a reason why they have struggled for so long. Not the sole reason, but I think it's part of the reason that they have. I mean, they had the lightning dead to rights last year, and they blew it. They they did. I thought that was the toughest series the Lightning faced up until Colorado was they that first it. round. Yeah, they yeah. had a chance. The Lightning uh, came back in Game Six and then won Game Seven, and it's and the and the story continues. The yeah. curse continues. And who and just who knows what's going to happen in the playoffs? I mean, a good example last night was I mean the the most trendy pick for this for the uh, the Stanley Cup Final this year has been Boston against Edmonton, and Edmonton comes in playing like the best hockey of anybody down the stretch, and what happened? They choked away a lead yesterday against the Kings in the final 10 seconds of the game and then lose in overtime. Right. So the Oilers, the big bad Oilers with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, drop, a game, drop game one at home like that. And who saw that coming? 
Nobody. Nobody. And but that's good. You're going to see a lot of this in the in the playoffs. This is what happens in the NHL playoffs. It's the most. I think of all the playoffs in the major sports, it's the most unpredictable. The most you see most time lower seeds beating higher seeds, and it's not. Nobody is really batting an eye because that's just the way hockey is. It's a different sport in the in in, in the playoffs, and maybe it shouldn't be, but that's the way it is. So. Um, yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit more uh, hockey. We'll get some some comments from John Cooper as we go through this, but we also want to get into what's going on with the Buccaneers. And you know, there's a lot of change coming to Tampa Bay and, I, and it, the Buccaneers, and it's a lot of it has to do obviously on the offensive side, and it's going to look completely different. We have talked about this a lot, and I and I've said many many times for the you know, for all those folks that oh the offensive line was horrible, Giselle talking to you, Giselle, and I know you watch all the time because you think Nick's really cute. Um, but <laughs> I think the offensive line was unfairly maligned last year because of the statue that they had to work with yesterday. And, yes, Tristan Wirfs, as much as he loves Tom Brady, um, was just honest yesterday. And in, in what I've said for, for a while now is how much better this offensive line can be with a mobile quarterback and a court and an offense that puts you in the run pass option dilemma and conflict so that linebackers have to, you know, wait to beat defensive linemen have to wait to beat to see if it's pass or run 90% of the time they knew what was coming with the Buccaneers and they knew where the quarterback was going to be. You know, how, and, and I'm not defending Byron Leftwich, but I'm defending the offensive lineman. It's almost impossible to play offensive line given that formula in the NFL. As fast and as quick as these guys get off the ball, if they know it's pass every single time, and you also have different combination of blitz packages that you can send, it's going to be extremely difficult for an offensive lineman to block in that whole setup. It's just not It's not fun. It's hard. It's hard to run the football because when, when you see safeties creeping up, and you can, you can perfect, and I can't tell you how many times I saw this, on tape, you would see the five offensive linemen, every one of them get their block. And you would say, okay, this, this running play, freeze it right now. As the, as the, as the, as the running back's getting the ball, the, the, the line is blocking everybody they should be blocking, and a hole is opening up, and the, and the running back is heading to that hole. And so many times you would see a safety, who is essentially unaccounted for in a lot of blocking schemes for runs, a safety coming up and filling that hole at the line of scrimmage, and it turns what should be a gain of eight into a gain of two. And that's where your running game is just dead in the water. When you when we get that extra guy filling in because they know they, the, 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 the tells are all over the place as to run or pass, Whereas if you have a Baker Mayfield now or Kyle Trask who's sticking that ball in the belly of the running back and you don't know if it's run or pass and you as a safety, you come up and you're filling that hole and he pulls it and that tight end's running down the seam, it's easy pickings. That's what Lamar Jackson does. That's what what Pat Mahomes does. That's what all these other guys are doing. This is the modern-day NFL offense that has come from college and it's, it's tough to defend. Todd Bowles knows that better than anybody. And now these offensive linemen are going to be work, working with you know, the, the guys of deception now. And not, everything's not going to be on the table. So let's listen to Tristan Wirfs uh, as, as politely as he can you know, tell you that blocking for Tom Brady is no picnic. <laughs> it's gonna, 
I think it's going to open up a lot of options for us. Um, you know, both those guys can can run around with it a little bit. Um, you know, as much as I love Tom, you guys you guys know how I feel about Tom, but it'll be you know he can't run. But so it, it'll open up a little you know some new stuff for us, um, and it'll be it'll be really exciting. That that was a very polite way of saying everything I just said, and but coming from him, obviously, it carries a lot more weight, um, and it's true. It's true. I, I mean, it is true, right? Um, but I will say a large problem why the Bucks couldn't run the ball last year, and there are many factors into that, like you pointed out. But the other one was I don't think they had. I mean, maybe they were a little bit too much maligned or a little maligned rather, but they didn't really have the Jimmy and Joes up front like they used to. True run blockers in the middle with Marpet and right. Jensen. That's true. I mean, that made a huge difference. Now the argument to that was. If you had the ability to do play action and all these different things, then maybe you would have had a lot more success trying to work around some of the deficiencies of the guys you have up front. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the Bucks are counting on this year is maybe we have a similar group of characters, actually a little bit different because we're going to take Shaq Mason out of the equation. Right. Maybe we have like a similar group of Which characters. It's not a plus, by the it's way. It's not a plus. Not a plus. We have the same group of guys for the most part there but let's just add these new little wrinkles to try to get around it a little bit rather than just running power every single time. That's how you coach it. And you're going to have a left tackle that has two arms, which is going to be big. Because as much as you know, we, we, you know, we crap on Donovan Smith, we have to acknowledge the fact that he had a dislocated elbow. It was very hard for him to, to play last year. So that's, that's just that's a fact. So I think all of these things being considered, even if they don't draft an offensive tackle, which a lot of people have them drafting in the first round, I still think this offensive line can be really good with the experienced players that we have right now. And that's, you know, Wirfs at left tackle, um, Leverett at left guard. I thought he played um, above average when he was in there. I think he's a good player. He scraps. I love his attitude that he brings. I love the intensity and the energy that he brings. But if not there, you could put, you know, Robert Hainsey there, Aaron Stinney. You know, obviously you got Ryan Jensen back at center, Hainsey or Stinney at right guard. Um, you could put Gedeke at right tackle. You could put Hainsey at right tackle. Either Both of those guys played it in college. So you've got five guys that have been, uh, and two of them, by the way, who are pro bowlers. If you have two out of five that are pro bowlers on your offensive line, you should have a pretty good offensive line. And in the other two guys are, you know, second and third round picks. So even if they don't draft an offensive line, which I think they will, um, they're, they're, they've got, I think, a good stand. Now, you're going to need a lot more depth, and they've already signed some depth with some former starters in this league. So I'm, I'm, I'm not panicking about this offensive line. I think it has the ability to be really, really good. Now, um, do we have anything else on worse on that particular subject? Or there was a lot of good stuff there. Uh, working at left tackle. Let's, let's hear him talk about working at the uh, left tackle position. Number 10. Definitely been working it just in case. Um, I've been working both, just covering my covering my bases. You know, um, not only anything's been confirmed. You know, I've heard, I've been seeing what you know everyone on Twitter says. So we'll wait till the draft. We'll wait till we sign somebody or whatever happens. You know, so um, whatever happens happens. I'll be ready. Um, but yeah, I, ha- I have been working it. And he's he'll be fine. Like I said, he can play left tackle. He can play guard. He could play center. He could probably play defensive tackle. Probably play edge rusher and be pretty damn good. Probably play power forward. He could do anything. That dude is an athletic 
freak. Yeah, I think he described it as it's almost like wiping with your opposite hand is how he described moving to left tackle. Interesting. So try to put yourself in that front in that time in that frame for a second. Yeah. That's <laughs> can be a little awkward. It's a little awkward, but eventually you'd probably get used to it. You get Yeah, it's eventually you will get used to it. <clears throat> wiping. Okay. Um, all right, so this was something else that he said that I thought was very interesting that you texted me about as soon as it came out. Um, and I love, you know, Tristan. He was very honest yesterday. Very, very honest. Very, very honest. I love that about him, and um, and he can be because he has the gravitas to do so. And I think it's good for this team. He's more honest than the head coaches, to be honest. A little bit. Yeah. There we go with this one. Yeah, I think it is um, in, a, in, a, in a certain way. I feel like. Um, winning the Super Bowl was kind of like a blessing and a curse at the same time. Um, I feel like it united some groups of people or some guys, and it kind of made individuals. Um, and I feel like it does that everywhere, yeah. you know. Um, so we want everyone to be together. be together, you know, and everyone to be like, yeah, we've done this, that we did that with this group of people in this year. That's in the past. We're here now. Yeah. We know what it takes, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. um for us to get everyone on that same page of knowing what it takes to get that done, um, but not letting there be any individuals. is um, Everyone with one goal, one collective in mind, um, all working for the same thing. This is fascinating. This is fascinating to me. Because, of, and this is not on Tristan, by the way, so let's not blame Tristan for this part. But who did everybody think of when he said that? All together now, Devin, Devin White, White. Right? Twitter erupted with every Devin White meme. And as to confirm our suspicions, what did we find on the Philadelphia Eagles feed yesterday? <laughs> yeah, they posted their, uh, their on Instagram announcing the Jalen Hurts contract. And Devin White commented, taking care of yours with a bright green heart. Yeah, because he's an excellent franchise player. You are not. You think you are, but you are not. I don't think Jalen Hurts is ranked in the bottom 5% by PFF. Not the Bible on how great everybody plays. I get it. But if you're in the bottom 10th at your position, you're not an elite player by any stretch of the imagination. If you turn on the tape, anybody who watches football can see that uh, Devin White makes some incredible splash plays, but he's not consistent. And he gets taken advantage of with his over-aggressiveness, Blah, blah, blah. We've talked about this ad nauseum. For him to go on the Eagles feed and put that down is just a big finger, middle finger to the Buccaneers and their fans. And I don't know how much more this guy has to do to for someone in this organization to stand up and say, this is not okay. What are we waiting for? We get Jason Light saying, we, you know, we love the player. We have no intention of trading him. Well, he has no intention of playing for you, Jason Light, at $11.7 million. I got news for you. Um, he's going to do exactly what Roquan Smith did and probably show up at camp but not work out. And eventually you're going to have to trade him. Because this type of behavior, he is letting it be known that he's not afraid to put it out in public that he wants a trade and he doesn't want to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they're not going to pay him what he thinks he's worth. And that's fine. Trade him. Trade him. What are we waiting for? Are we going to another press conference to come out and defend him? 
He's trashing you at every point, and you want to keep out, keep coming out and defending him. At what point does the organization hold this guy accountable? You can't. I mean, you have one of your other team leaders, and maybe he's not talking about Devin, but maybe he is. So clearly there's a rift in the locker room with some people that are, quote, individuals. This guy is filling up the individual resume like nobody's business with the trade request, the other stuff that he's put on the Eagles, the stuff that he put out a month ago and then said, oh, no, I was just celebrating my years here. Bullspit. Bullspit. We know what's going on here. Trade him. And the, and the, the opposite is to give him what he wants, an overinflated contract for an inside linebacker, and you think that's going to make him play better and be more accountable? That doesn't sound like good policy to me. No. I'm the Buccaneers. No, and if you do make him the best, the highest paid player, what happens when in two years he's no longer the highest paid player at his position? And what he, message? And he comes are, back what, and says, uh, what no, that's not good are, enough. What message are you sending to Tristan Wirfs and all the other players? That if you bitch and you moan and you go public with your, your, your contract demands that you, you, this is not good enough, yeah. that we're going to reward you with a long-term contract and put a C on your chest. And, and does that? It, by the way, does that sound like an organization that is being accountable to the other players? And by the way, it's not like this no. organization has a track history or a track record of not picking up their or foregoing the fifth-year option and signing the guys to the long-term contract. They did it with Mike Evans, and they did it with Vita Vea. Mm-hmm. And what do those two guys have in common? They are team players. They are team players. They yes, are team players. They are two of the best of their positions. Yes. Pro Bowl accolades, all that kind of crap. Worth the money. Worth the money and consistency. And consistency, right. Devin White has none of those things. None of those He's things. not one of the best at his position. None of those things. His accolades mean squat to me, to be honest with you, because I don't know, because he got this reputation, again, off the Super Bowl. And then uh, he's not no consistency at all through four years. In fact, I can't tell you one thing he's gotten better at right. through four years, to be right. honest. Put on the tape. Is he getting off blocks better? So nobody's no. – that's what I'm saying. I don't think Jason Light's not picking on Devin White. If Devin White feels that way, you're just your tape. It is what it is. You're not worth enough to, for them to have to pay you before the fifth year option. It's in the Bucks' best interest to play to have you play on this fifth year option at eleven point five million or whatever it is specifically, and see what happens. And if you are the same player that you've been the last five years or the last four years, you don't get it. Then you can walk, and you can find somewhere else to go, and you'll probably get more than the Bucks would ever give you anyway. Because your reputation is going to follow you somewhere for whatever reason. But if you turn out to be a really good player this year and you turn the corner, I still wouldn't want to give you 18 to $20 million, but maybe I can meet you in the middle somewhere. Right. I think that's where the Bucks' best play is, to be honest with you. I think at this point... If they don't trade them. If they, if they yeah. don't trade him or find at a trade this partner. Point, at this point, I just don't see how you can welcome him back. How? I wonder, I mean, teammates, it's all business, and I get all that, but I wonder how they feel the fact that he's a captain, and they voted him a captain. I I'm, certainly wouldn't do that again. I'm trying to remember a time when a player has scrubbed his, his Instagram, you know, put all this stuff out about how he wants to go to another team, and then has come back to that team and been a leader and, and a good fit moving forward. It didn't work with okay, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray held them hostage, and then he got hurt, and everyone believes that contract is horrible, and it's never going to work out, and it's never going to be a good thing for the Cardinals. I think that's what I mean. I think that's rightfully so. I'm trying. You know, Roquan Smith did it. He, they had to trade him. 
Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of who who is you know Lamar Lamar Hasn't Jackson out is for, now. It didn't work out for Rodgers. Didn't work out for Rod. I mean, all of these all of these things. When you start, when the bad blood gets going, Taylor Taylor reference. We're still doing it. When the bad bad blood gets going, this I, I don't ever I don't ever remember it 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 you know going back in the right direction. Okay, we're all friends now. I got my money. Let's go play, and it all working out. Maybe I'm, I'm probably missing a couple of examples. But off the top of my head, I can't remind. This thing that he did yesterday with Philadelphia is bullspit. If this is how you think you're going to get your money, and here's the other thing. You know, he requested a trade. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that he requested a trade probably a month ago. It's been, it's been that one. So it, it, I would guess that the people, everybody in the NFL knows that Devin White is available. And yeah. are the phones ringing yeah. off the hook? Are the, are the people running to the Buccaneers with a first or second round pick? Because I think if they were, that trade would be done. I think that trade would be done. Maybe not by Todd Bowles, but certainly by Jason Light. So maybe, and my guess is, he doesn't have that value. My guess is that other people can turn on the tape as well. I'm hoping if people the are starting to turn coordinators are looking and going, eh, make some splash well, I take plays. that back. I don't want them to turn on the tape for the Bucks' interest. <laughs> Please don't. I'd, please don't turn on the tape. I'd rather, you know, I would, I would, you know, I said this last week. I'll take a two and a five that we that they got for Roquan right now. And ultimately, I think that's generous. Yeah, because I, I think Roquan is a far superior player. I agree, and it's not a, a it's not a one of those high need positions or high leverage positions. No, even though there has been a long time since we've had good inside linebacker drafts. Right. So that kind of has to play a role in it as well. Yeah. And there's one guy, uh, Jack Campbell from Iowa, that people are, yeah. you know, and who knows how good he can be or, or what he is. Still right? a day two pick. Right, still a day two pick. But, you know, it, it just, to me, he, he is pushing this. And he I- doesn't care. He, do, he wants out. He thinks he's worth the money. He thinks he's going to get it. And I think he's going to find himself in Lamar well, Jackson I think territory. All he's doing right now by continuing to go on social media, which I just think as an athlete is just get off. Symmature. Just get off Symmature. social media. He's, yeah. he's just showing his ass because he's got no leverage. He's not helping himself at all by doing it. He's, right. just, he's just showing his ass to everybody. The only leverage he has, and I think it is significant in some way, is the fact that the Bucks have nobody to back him up. Nobody. There's no Kevin Minter. In the wings, and I think that you and can maybe plug that's what's go, holding back, okay. and maybe that's what's holding them back ultimately from yeah. making a move because yeah. Levante is also thirty-three years old, right. and this is probably his last year. So now it's like you kind of almost have to fill two needs. Yeah, at we're one, one position. injury away from having KJ Britt and yes. um, who's the other guy? Uh, <laughs> I forgot his name. Who? I mean, that's a disaster. <laughs> your defense, <laughs> your, your defense can't survive that. And so I get it. I mean, they and, and, and Devin, you know, rightfully so, is like, they got nobody behind me. So if I'm ever going to have leverage, this is the way I, I can do yeah. it. But sometimes, you know, and we were, we're going to get into this this uh, concept of culture for the Buccaneers. Sometimes you have to make a move that is culture-oriented, but maybe doesn't really look good in terms of your depth chart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you got to cut the cancer out to make sure it doesn't fester. And I think to some degree that has already happened in the, on this team because Todd Bowles came out and said it. The culture is not good. We have to change the culture. And that was with Brady on the team. Yeah. You know, that was last year. We all thought, oh, Tom Brady's going to leave a legacy of this incredible culture of, you know, being uber prepared and ultra prepared. And that didn't even last his last year. It didn't even – we totally – I, I totally was wrong about that. I thought, oh, this is going to be great. He's, he'll transform this organization. It didn't even last his career here. 
it totally broke down last year, which is to me says a lot about the players that are around. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it speak. It doesn't speak to Tom, in my opinion. It speaks to the players that are around. Well, here, and here's the thing: as we always go back to, that wasn't Tom Brady last year. And no. We all said it was his third year, but that had, that was no semblance of the man and the leader that had been the hallmark of his career. Right, his entire. We said this many, many times. His superpower as a football player is was his uber preparation mm-hmm. and mental ability to absolutely destroy you and know you know what was coming before you knew what was coming, and that has always been. And of course, a great arm and, and great and, and great velocity. That that was the athletic part that he was was tremendous at. And I don't think that waned. I think, it, yeah, it did wane last year, actually. His accuracy and his velocity were not as good because he lost 15 pounds. He wasn't the same guy. He wasn't. And you could see that from the very beginning. And from a preparation standpoint, we didn't get that guy either. And what happened when everybody looked up and said, whoa, Tom's not here for 11 days. Tom's at the, the birthday party the night before the game and not coming back. Tom's missing this day. Suddenly, there, there goes that superpower. And you don't think other players were pissed about Tom doesn't want to be here. He wants to be in Miami so much so they docked him a first-round pick. You don't think these other players knew about that and considered it and said, well, if he's, getting, if, if he's going for his own, well, then I'm going for my own, Devin White. I mean, Devin looks at that and says, well, if Tom Brady can do this, why can't I? I mean, he's, he's not respecting the team, um, the team culture by taking all this time off. And I understand the things that were going on with him. I get it. But the bottom line is you're not there with this team. You know, I'm sure a lot of guys had a lot of stuff going on last year. Deaths in the family, we know of that. All these other things. But Tom was the one who took all that time away. So it it wasn't the same Tom Brady. That's why the culture fractured last year. And that's why they need to regain that culture now. And by, you know, putting a pacifier in the mouth of your, your defensive captain and giving him all he wants because he's crying the loudest, that's that's a culture destroyer. You can't do that. And for the for the organization to just keep coming to the podium and defending this guy, at some point it's like, you know, somebody's somebody's going to stand up and say something. And I think somebody just did. And that somebody's Tristan Wirfs. So you know he's the guy that guys need to follow, not Devin White. I think well, I think we're clear on that, right? Oh yeah. So if, if, if your other captain is standing up at the podium and saying that, and we know who he's talking about, and your head coach and your, and your general manager are coming to the podium and defending this guy, we got a fracture. We got a fracture. And, you know, for my money, the Bucks need to take care of this. They need to take care of it. But I'm, I'm, my guess is, you know, they're probably being offered a third-round pick for him at this point. And, you know, do you try to make him play? And get through to him and say, hey, just go out and ball out and get your money. Or do you just cut bait now and get the third rounder now that you're going to get when he goes and signs with somebody else next year as a compensatory pick? I mean, I I don't have a problem necessarily with him coming back as long as he does the right things in coming back. And that's apologizing to Todd Bowles, apologizing to his teammates. I probably probably wouldn't put the captaincy back on his chest at least for a year. Uh, if he wants to come back and do that, that's fine. He won't. He's too prideful. 
And that's the question here because he's dreadful. not he's not the first player to go and do stuff like this. No. I mean, no, we're seeing it. No. We're, we're kind of seeing it right now with Buda Baker in Arizona. If you're paying yeah, attention, yeah. he's uh, he's upset because he's not the highest paid safety in the league. Lamar Jackson. Two years ago, he he thing. became the highest paid safety in the league. Now he's no longer the highest paid safety, and he wants his money. And he's been doing the same thing on Twitter with these cryptic tweets. So and you this know happens why he all the time. It? You know why he's doing it? Hmm. Because his quarterback did it. And he, yeah, and he's he's been very critical, by the way, of that culture. Yeah, yeah, and wanting out. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, you're doing the same damn thing. So, I, listen, this, this, this to me is a line in the sand, and, you know, you can say all you want, but Trask, I mean, uh, Worf's just called him out, and, you know, he ain't the only one talking yeah, about I it. Just, I wonder what else, I tell you that. and I wonder who else he's talking about, because he said individuals. Yeah. You know, and there's multiple there, and, you know, the guys that I think about are Devin White, I thought of Leonard Fournette, who's no longer here. Right. And even when he went out, there was the whole weird thing about him saying that it was mutual, and the Bucks said, no, we cut him. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. And he's already, he already had had his issues here before. Right. You know, you, clearly you think about Antonio Brown, right? Yeah. And he kind of did that for himself, taking him out of the equation. Which I asked the question, by the way. Do you think Todd Bowles would have completely gone through with, Antonio, with what happened with Antonio Brown if that happened under his watch and not B.A.'s? Do you think he would have thrown him off the sideline like B.A. did? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, no. I'm going all in right now because I'm no. trying to, because again, a lot of this stuff that we're talking about has coincided with Todd Bowles taking over as well and the difference there and the parallels. So no. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. Do you and think Brady, he makes Brady, that move? And Brady was mad at BA for doing it. He was. The books are fascinating, a fascinating story the past two Bra- years. Brady was mad at BA for, for doing what he had to do. Because you remember. On that Thursday, after the A-B situation, uh, I, I don't know, it may have been me that asked the question, or somebody asked the question, and he basically was, I gave him the opportunity to defend B.A., and he didn't do it. And I called it out at that time. I said, how do you support, Tony, when you know damn well that he's lying, he's lying, it was not about his ankle, and then you just don't support your head coach at all? In that situation, you you support the petulant yeah, it's, child that that disrobed on the sideline. That's the one you as a and then you say the coach runs a loose ship. Well, you're the one that fostered this BS, Tom Brady. So I mean, yeah, it, it, I think it's, it's, as we said it last year from the from the from game four or five. It was after Brady didn't come back for for uh, for the uh, birthday party for Kraft's birthday party. The Steelers game, and I said, "This is dysfunction junction. This whole effing team is dysfunctional. It's it's cracked. It's fractured." And I'm telling you, the books, the Tom Brady exposés, when they all the BA tell all, when it all comes out, that's what you're going to see. The last year with Brady here was a shit show. It was a complete shit show. Oh, well, hold from, on. From, from, goes... the moment, from the moment they, that B.A. stepped aside. Well, actually, from the moment that Brady was tampering with the Dolphins. It happened before during all During their that. playoff run. It happened all before that. Remember, what was Levante David's comment after the 2021 season? If you recall. What did he say? Remember, I think he made it. He might have used the word dysfunction. He did in a press conference yeah. at the end of the season. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, yeah, it was getting there because that was at the end when Brady was tampering. 
Yeah, so that this stuff almost seemed like it might have happened towards the end of the 2021 season. And ultimately, it's a shame because look at the veterans that have been in the building the past three yeah, years. Yeah. I mean, behind, beyond, beyond Brady, Gronk, Jensen, Mike Evans is a veteran well, now. Well, when Like JPP, Sue, all these veterans. How does this happen to a locker room like that? Well, you know, it's funny. Because if you, you know, it's like going back to the origin, you know, <laughs> was it the lab leak or was it the pangolin? Who you got to go. The chili? You got to go back to go forward. Yeah, you got to go back. And what was the line of demarcation? It wasn't actually Brady tampering. It was A B, the A B episode. And we also know before the A B episode, he was already acting out in the locker room, in other games, and at that halftime, mm-hmm. he was already showing his ass. It was already um, the COVID, fake COVID card thing had happened, right? Yep. And so, and, 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 and so you just think about all this stuff that we know. And we know this. B.A. never wanted A.B. He told me to my face multiple times, that guy will never play for the Buccaneers. Never play for the Buccaneers. Because he was there. He saw what A.B. was doing, right? He knew, he knew A.B.'s past. He knew who he was. And he knew eventually it would fracture the team. But Brady was like, I got to have that guy because I'm not, I don't elevate everybody like I used to. I need guys that can win individually and I need a bunch of them so I can do my thing. That's how the scheme was directed. That's how the scheme is. So he knew it was like this, it it was like this, this pull It's like, you know, AB is eventually going to fracture this team, but we got to have his ability. And it worked out. You got what you needed on the upside of it. It did. It did. And then, you know, moving forward, A.B. starts doing his being A.B. again. And there's Tom Brady supporting him, saying, we got to have him. Come on, B.A., just put up with it. Just put up with it. we got to have him. Let's get through the season. And then, you know, the thing happened, and in the, in the, i got to get the ball when you've already used as many targets as anybody yeah. in the first half. And B.A.'s listening to him bitch and moan. And then he goes on the sideline, like, you need to go back in the game. Oh, I'm not going in the game. My I mean, B.A. just at, at some point he's just going to say enough. Yeah. Get and the F and out even of here. still, though, without having him on the roster this year, it hurt the team. Yes, on the of field, course, of on course. the field, it hurt the team tremendously this year. Not having Antonio Brown, it, it's it's you know it's a, you're damned if you do, damned if exactly. you don't, almost. But uh, but to me, and it's it's crazy. The, the crazy part to me is for the last three years we've been like almost living in the moment, right? Because we've never we've never experienced this in this market, really, truly, right. this special time. At least in my generation of being a fan. Right. And so we wanted to enjoy it and live in the moment. But now that it's gone and it's over with and it's a new chapter, it's like you go back and look at all these things that were right in front of us the entire time. Yep. And we probably just skipped right over and hopped well, all think, over because think, we, were enjoying the, we were enjoying the ride. You know, I think we did a good job, especially last year, of pointing out all the, sh- the shit that was going on. I think we did a really good job. Because when it's, things go wrong, it's easier to point back. Because I think things. everybody, I think the majority opinion was, oh, everything's fine. We got Brady. It'll work out. The thing, this will be fun. Brady is this. Brady is that. Brady is And I'm like, no, this is not the regular Brady. This is not him. This is not what we signed up for. And it's dysfunction everywhere. And that's exactly what it was. So I kind of, you know, as hard as I've been on, on, on Todd Bowles, you know, when I look, but but again, you ask the question: Would Bowles have thrown him off the sideline? Probably not. And then you ask yourself: Would they have? Would they have continued to win with him, 
would that eventually have happened anyway? At some point, would he have taken off? Probably. I, I, because because there's when you're when you just when you you have a a child like that, what happens if you keep saying, "Okay, honey, here's the pacifier, here's the pass." Hey, what more do you need? Some of this, you know, they just keep demanding more and more mm-hmm. and more, and you're still going to get the temper tantrum at the end anyway. Well, so you what do you have to do? You have to smack that ass. <laughs> you have to put your foot down and say, "That's it." No more of this crap. And that's what B.A. did. And you have to say to yourself, you know what? Is it worth fracturing the team to keep this guy on? It's sometimes, in my opinion, you got to get rid of it. And hopefully you can go find somebody to replace that or find a way to win. There's no guarantees. But I think the only guarantee is when you keep people like that around, eventually they're going to destroy your chemistry, your your, your culture. You know what what Antonio Brown reminds me of? And you let me know if this is a good comparison or not because you were around for this. Doesn't he remind you of Keyshawn Johnson to an extent? It's exactly what Keyshawn did. The it's second, the same thing, though. The year I mean, after the Super Bowl. Tell me Bowl. that Gruden and Bruce don't have kind of the same type same of coaching thing. personality. Same thing. And the high is he helps you win a Super Bowl, right. leading receiver that year in 2 Right. And then the next year he, lapped, he lasted, what, seven games, yeah. nine games, and yeah. he was out. And it was like, you know, he bitched about Gruden. And look, I'm not saying what he, what he said wasn't true, but everybody else put up with it, you know, and maybe Keyshawn was right. Like, I'm not putting up with it. But I and I think that's what's different. I think I think Bruce Arians is is was is a fair, honest man in his coaching style. I think he's fair and honest and looks you in the eye and tells you what you know what's going on and doesn't BS around. I'm not sure Gruden was <laughs> Gruden would tell one guy one thing and yeah. you know so and there was there was a mistrust factor. There. I will point out this but, too, but though. it is similar. Yes. I will point out this too though because I don't think this this whole thing is exclusive to the Bucks only. And Tristan even said that oftentimes this happens to teams. Oh, absolutely. Like, like, I mean, there's so many examples that I just had at the top of my head. Like, the Lakers, when they won five titles, they just went a decade without – they went a whole decade without making a playoff run. Right. Right? And they were just function junket. Junction. And we're talking about the Lakers, crying out loud, not the Bucks. Yeah. Right? Uh of course, all the examples that I had just leaped through my brain, of course. But the point is, is this happens to uh, the Patriots. There you go. Now the Patriots are starting to have dysfunction for the first time. Bill doesn't like Mac. Mac doesn't like Bill. Right. When does that stuff ever happen in New England? Never. 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 But trying to replace the greatest of all time has created this now. So this is not just a, a Bucks thing. No. This happens typically no. to teams that win a lot. And then, like, Seattle had been through the same thing when they went out, and it resulted in Russell Wilson having to go right. and restarting a culture. Like, this happens everywhere. But it's, know, I, it I still doesn't at, make it any better, though. I look at uh, Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. It's a good one. You know, and – you know, he was a good player and was, you know, on on his way to MVP season, all that stuff. But there was always a disconnect between Carson and the team. There was always a disconnect. And mm-hmm. now we see throughout his career, everywhere he goes, there's a disconnect. Okay? And when you keep guys around like that, so what did, what did Doug Peterson do? He basically said, you know what? I can see that these guys play better with Nick Foles. Carson's a better talent. But these guys rally around this guy, Nick Foles. Yeah, there's a big difference. There's a bit, and, and we are a better team collectively, culture-wise, mm-hmm. with Nick Foles as our quarterback than Carson Wentz. And I think you know you and you have to make those tough calls sometimes. They don't always work. But getting rid of BA was a must, and I mean AB was a must. Yeah, you can't let that stuff go on. You can't have one guy just the telling the coaches what he's going to do and when, because then everybody sees and it's like, well, F, he's doing it. I'm going to do it as well. You can't have that. And I think that's what went on last year with Todd Bowles. Too many people, Devin White, would do whatever the hell they want, as Tristan Wirth says, individualistic, and Todd was calling it out. But what Todd, Todd called it out 
Remember when he said we still got guys living off the Super Bowl, yeah. right? That's another direct quote at Devin White. But then he comes out and defends him to the hilt. Yeah. You can't do both. You can't do both. So, and I think that's what would have been one of the problems with that Todd has had as a head coach. And if I sense anything different in this offseason that I'm excited about, I just listening to his interviews and the way he's com- comporting himself, it seems like he's more assertive. It's like, listen, if I'm effing going down, I'm going to be, it's going to be my way. Mm-hmm. It's going to be my way. And I'm going to make the decisions. I'm going to, I should have fired the offensive coordinator because he wasn't listening to me, dysfunction. Um, he knows that now. I think in his private moment, he would admit that. Um, but, and, and I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting, this is the new Todd Bowles, the take no crap Todd Bowles. Let's go. And this is your first test, Todd. Get him the hell out of here. I know you love him like a son. And I, this is, and you talk to people who know Devin White and know Todd Bowles, and, and he loves him like a son. But your son is spitting in your face. What do you do when your son talks back to you, Todd Bowles? Not that your kids have ever done that because they, they've been raised right. But when they do, what do you do? you got to smack that ass. <laughs> you gotta, you got to come down hard. you got to come down hard. You can't put up with it. Out. He's gone. Get rid of him. It's bad for culture. And let him go find his, his $20 million pot of gold somewhere. And I hope he gets it. Good for you, Devin. If that's the way you want to play your, your – you know, fine. Good. I – uh, you know, I think it's bad for your team. I think it's bad leadership. I think you should, you know, play through your contract and go out and play your ass off. And if you play, have a Pro Bowl season, you're going to get 20 million from somebody, maybe. But if not, but he probably knows in his heart that, you know, as the scrutiny gets more, he'll be exposed. So he's trying to force his way out and get his money. Good. Good luck. Uh, all right, we'll take a break here. We'll come back and we'll get into uh, some more. we we got to get here from Kyle Trask uh, about what he learned from Brady and some other things from him. We'll talk some Rays baseball as well, another disappointing game for them. And we'll get into uh, the latest from the Bolts as they are headed for They're already in Toronto and getting ready for game one tonight. Back in three. Stay with us. Guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. 
I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back that doesn't happen with the jeeves law group personal attention is what they're all about when you call the jeeves law group you will be part of the family they will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies these larger companies will promise bigger settlements but it's the jeeves law group that will get you the best results if you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms check out the jeeves law group go to jeeveslawgroup.com tell them jp sent you get a free consultation it's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Folks, there is no better place to shop for jewelry than the Gold and Diamond Source. They are the family jewelers, and they will treat you like family. They'll make it a fun experience. People come from all over to shop at the Gold and Diamond Source because of their great customer service and incredible, impeccable reputation. No sales pressure, no intimidation, and they have the largest selection of hand-picked diamonds. And by the way, diamonds are the April birthstone. So this month only, they are offering 15% off their diamond birthstone collection available on just select products. And you've probably heard a lot about lab-created diamonds, folks. They hold no real value. You will have no resale value whatsoever with a lab-created diamond. And of course, it's fake. It doesn't mean as much. The Golden Diamond Source has plenty of options to accommodate any budget, folks. Interest-free financing up to five years, a layaway program, 20% down, and only six monthly payments. And, of course, the Diamond Savings Account, where you get full value of your diamond when you look to upgrade. It's all there for you at the Golden Diamond Source, 3800 Omerton Road, always online at thegoldendiamondsource.com. All right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up. They're going down. They're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? 
Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Let's go! Right now. Back to the show with JP on Fan Stream Sports. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group, J E E V E S Law Group.com. If you've been involved in an accident uh, or have issues on the job or any legal matter whatsoever, it's the Jeeves Law Group, J E E V E S Law Group.com. You can contact them through the website uh, by email or by phone. And just know this, that they are a local law firm that will give you the personal attention that you deserve. Some of these bigger law firms, I went through this, folks, with with a um, an accident probably 10 years ago. And getting calls back from these big companies, and, and I don't think I got the settlement that I, I should have gotten because that's what these bigger firms do. They just settle. They don't go to court. And um, not all the time, but, but, but a lot of the time. So you want that personal attention, that local law firm, and that is uh, the Jeeves Law Group. So go to their website, JeevesLawGroup.com, and check out uh, all the information right there. Um, all right, so uh, we talked a little bucks. We'll get back to some Kyle Trask a little bit later on. And uh, I'm going to get some of your comments in here as well as, uh, to that conversation. Then we'll move on um, to the Buccaneers. Um, to the Rays, you mean? To the Rays, yeah. Um, Bucks Live says Ty Bowles uh, can't call out Devin White publicly because it destroys his trade value. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true, um, especially at this particular point where he's demanded a trade. But I'm speaking more about last year, um, and even you know to some degree just after the season when we talked about some of uh, his issues before all this Instagram scrubbing stuff um, started. So. Yeah, I get what you're saying there, um, and at this particular point, I think that would apply more towards Jason Light recently when asked about it. I think at this point, Jason does have to you know, talk him up and keep his trade value up. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, no question about that. But at this point, with this last little tweet uh, on the Eagles' feed uh, about you know they take care of their own, at some point, it's just, you know, it's diminishing returns. So, sorry. Um uh, another one coming in here from Richie PJ. JP, what do you get from Tampa Bay Arnold regarding the stadium issue? Looks like there are conversations being had in such a way that it keeps it pu- the public in the dark. Yeah, I'm going to get to this uh, uh, after we uh, chat with Pat Burnham at 11.15, um, the stadium situation. So we'll do that at 11.30. Um, I think there are some nuggets in there that they, they tell me the same thing, to be honest, is, you know, same thing we said right after the sister city thing, that, that we predicted it then and it's coming true now that Stu's going to cozy up to St. Pete and try to try to look like he's going to do the deal in St. Petersburg like he's done many times before. And then in the end, I think he's still going to pick Tampa because that's where MLB wants it, and that's where they have, would have the most long-term success. Um, short-term, I think he would make a better deal for himself and only himself 
if he did the deal in St. Pete, which is why um, smarter people and politicians and government people need to understand that you're getting hoodwinked into building a billion-dollar stadium for a billionaire who's just going to leave and leave you with a stadium that nobody goes to in the middle of the week, which is hard to do. It's a failed location. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more later on in the show. Uh, any other comments you saw on here, uh, Nick, that uh, we need to throw up about the the Bucks situation? Yeah, T. Knowles had put this one here. I said, I think you keep him in a way better cap situation next year to go after a veteran slash free agent linebacker and draft one this year and next. Uh, but backup linebacker is definitely a concern, same as outside linebacker. And uh, like you said, that's the leverage. If Devin White has any, that's the card that he can pull is, do you want me or do you want K.J. Britt? Yeah, or you could, you know, you can draft somebody this year. If you can get a two, if you can get a two, you can get somebody that can play in the middle there and I guess, not embarrass you. I guess it will say this, like, I don't know if the Bucks were playing on taking a line. I mean, probably at some point in this draft they were planning on taking a linebacker because they need depth. But I was thinking more in, like, the fifth or sixth round. Right. I would hate for them to have to now all of a sudden get one in the second round because I think that might be having to force a player that, uh, that high that probably isn't worth it. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Because yeah. I feel like there's other positions of need that are a lot more important I that just, I needed them to get with those higher picks. I just I don't think he's going to play for you this year. I, I don't know. I, I, like I, I think saying, he's gonna be a, I think it's gonna be a Roquan situation where he's not gonna put not gonna participate in, in training camp and it's gonna be a huge distraction. Well we don't and even then, know if he was I mean, I'm assuming he was not there yesterday, but And then, you know, is his heart gonna be in really playing for this team this year? I don't question. I mean, we question his heart the past, or where his commitment the last couple of years in terms of consistency and busting your ass on the field. Well, you think he's going to, you know, suddenly get ten times better? Well, I mean, I, I guess I've in a said contract this. year he'd he'd want to put his best stuff out there. But I've I don't said know. this before. I think Devin loves football and he wants to be out there. Truthfully, I don't think he wants to come off the field. I want. I think he wants to be out there every play. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a real thing in if this makes sense, like sometimes you cannot be giving it your all, but you don't know it yourself. Right. But everybody else can see it. I feel like that's where Devin White falls into sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't think he understands that he's not going full speed sometimes or, you know, or at least he's not doing this right and all that. But we could see it. And I think that's where he falls into. So I don't, I don't know if it's like a lack of effort, like knowingly from Devin White necessarily. Yeah, as Bucks Live uh, put it, and quite succinctly, the Super Bowl is the upside to the Brady Circus. This is the downside. Yep, we knew it was coming. It was just in a little different form. Um, but we, but we've been saying though, I don't think it's a a crazy downturn this year. Yeah, as everybody's predicting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's um, let's zip over to the uh, the Rays and another disappointing performance yesterday. And I think we're starting to see how this uh, pitching staff being crushed by these injuries is starting to hurt this team. I don't think there's any question. And the bats didn't really do much last night against Hunter Green either. I tell you what. Well, he was barely out there, but yeah. he they looked sharp against the Rays for the four innings. But. Yeah. <laughs> that was the most depressing game I think I've seen all year. Yeah, it was. It, it, had, you, it had a lot of last year in when it. When you combine, no, not just the Rays. I just mean everything. When you combine the the lack of a crowd in Cincinnati last night. Yeah, they said seven thousand. I think that's generous. Yes. No atmosphere. It looked like one of those like super like windy and cold nights in yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah. That like nobody wanted to go to the game. I don't even think the players really. The Rays just looked they weren't up for that game. I'm not making excuses or anything, but I'm just being honest. I don't think they were up for that game 
at all. No. And that in the different in the different atmosphere. And like you said, when you have to go in there with Beeks and uh, Trevor Ke- or Kevin Kelly, rather, who looked good yep. in his other outings, but yesterday he had zero command. That yep. slider, he couldn't buy a strike with that slider at all. Yeah. Uh, and then the new kid, Criswell, comes in, not much better either. Nope. So, but again, if that's what we're down to, where you have to go to a game where you're giving the ball to Beeks, Kevin Kelly, and Cooper Criswell. It's Again, not the same. Team I don't know how many games. I don't know how many games you're going to win there. No, you're not. <laughs> and also combine the fact that the house of horrors for the Rays. They've lost five in a row dating back to 2014. To the Bach walk off that they reminded oh, of that last night. I'm like, I'd forgotten about that. I was like, that's the worst. I know. Thing I was ever. like, did I need to be reminded of that? That was so bad. What a terrible umpire call that was. Oh, just absolutely awful on so many levels. Um, yeah, and listen, it's funny because we've gone from 13 and 0 to World Series to suddenly going, oh shiz, like we're. I want to say the team's in trouble. I'm not saying oh shit and like anything like that. It's just I am. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to win games a completely different way than they're used to doing it. I think right now. Yeah, it's going to be a problem, and it's good that they they've got six more games. They've got two more games with the Reds. Although you know, I don't know how much that means up to the moment. <laughs> really? And by the way, today the, the Reds got their ace going, Nick Nick Lodolo, who's yeah. really good and tough from the left hand side. Yeah. So it's a tough matchup for the Rays. Yeah. So there, this you know suddenly. You know, they could be out of first place in a week because their their pitching staff is devastated. Isn't that funny how this thing can turn so quickly? Oh, they said what was going to stop the Rays was yeah. going to be injuries right. like it did last year. That's what we were saying. Pump the brakes last but week, folks. Pump the but brakes. But at least it's good they got out. They got a 13-game stretch out in front of everything, though. Yeah, they did. Um, so that's good. You're, you're plus 13, and yeah. you, know, you only need to play 500 ball the rest of the way to get into the and playoffs. The other thing, too, last night that jumped out to me, 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position. Yep, yep. They came into last night the best team in the league, hitting 346 with runners in scoring position. And then you go 0 for 10 last night. They loaded the bases twice. They got runners on first and second with, like an, with no outs or one out a few times in that game as well. Could not get the big hit. Also, you got to give it up to Cincinnati's defense. Yep. The plays they made, especially they made the one plays. in the outfield with Margot, thought he was going to bloop that in there, and Fraley makes that diving catch. That was big. I mean, that was huge. That, that right there was the game. Yeah, and, and it just takes little things. like That's why 13-0 and is so hard to do, folks, because other teams can do this to you every single night, and it just doesn't go your way. Yeah, and then Wander, I mean, uncharacteristically – just boots one. Boots a ground ball, and yeah. I believe that continued an inning for a while. Yep, it did. Yeah, so they just – look, it's not going to be all, you know, rainbows and unicorns, folks. It's going to be a, a slog of a season, and they're already getting into it. But there's um, Taj Bradley pitching tonight. We got Taj Bradley tonight. Yeah, Taj, Taj so it gives you, you – know, I'll be interested to see how he pitches. You know, this will be a, a little bit more of a test on the road. You know, now it's – you know, they've, they've got some film on you, but, you know, his stuff plays anywhere, so – I'm not too worried. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Bolts. 11-15, we'll talk to Pat Burnham uh, from the Osceola about the FSU spring game and where the Seminoles stand. Boy, a lot of, lot of pundits picking them to win the ACC and maybe be in the hunt for the playoff. Unbelievable if you're, uh, if you're a Knowles fan. <laughs> it wasn't too long ago we were losing to Jacksonville State. So we'll uh, talk with Pat at 11-15. Some Bolts talk coming up next. Stay with us. coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric 
cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big time money. Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up. They're going down. They're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Folks, there is no better place to shop for jewelry than the Gold and Diamond Source. They are the family jewelers, and they will treat you like family. They'll make it a fun experience. People come from all over to shop at the Gold and Diamond Source because of their great customer service and incredible, impeccable reputation. No sales pressure, no intimidation, and they have the largest selection of hand-picked diamonds. And by the way, diamonds are the April birthstone. So this month only, they are offering 15% off their diamond birthstone collection available on just select products and you probably heard a lot about lab created diamonds folks they hold no real value you will have no resale value whatsoever with a lab created diamond and of course it's fake it doesn't mean as much the golden diamond source has plenty of options to accommodate any budget folks interest-free financing up to five years a layaway program 20 percent down and only six monthly payments and of course the diamond savings account where you get full value of your diamond when you look to upgrade it's all there for you at the golden diamond source 3800 Omerton road always online at the golden diamond source.com jp here for the jeeves law group have you been injured in an accident in an auto accident truck accident motorcycle accident at work or at a place of business well call the jeeves law group and get the personal attention that you deserve I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by, never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call, 727-894-2929, 727-894-2929, or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Ladies and gentlemen, are you looking to lose weight or just lean up for bathing suit season where there are so many diets and chiropractors and weight loss clinics out there? You don't know where to start, right? We'll start at Bay Area Modern Medical Center. 
Chris Lugo, PA, and his professional staff will devise a personal plan for you that gets results and will help you keep the weight off. Everybody metabolizes food and supplements differently. Many of these other approaches are designed for the masses. So how's that going to work for you specifically? It's not. Chris will spend one-on-one time with you to find out what works best for you so the weight comes off safely without the use of harmful drugs and side effects. Call 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is FanStream Sports with JP. All right, welcome back to the second hour of the J.P. Peterson Show here, brought to you by Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Chris Lugo and his team over there will get you right with the True Body machine and system. Of course, you're looking to lose some weight. Uh, they've got great programs over there and some discounts going on right now. Go to the website, BAMMC.com, and find out what's going on over there and sign up, get an appointment with uh, with Chris, and they will take care of you in every way, make you healthier, lose weight, testosterone replacement therapy, uh, get your nutrition in order uh, you eat better you will feel so much better it's all there for you it's a total body maintenance at bammc.com so check them out bay area modern medical center.com um all right so tonight at 7 30 they will drop the puck on valley sports by the way there will be a pregame show with um all the all the lads paul kennedy and the chief and dave andrechuk and everybody will be on board so the first round we get valleys which is great. Dave Randorf, Brian Engblom, the whole crew, Paul Kennedy, it'll be great. So at least for the first round. So we'll see that uh, tonight starting at 7.30. And, you know, obviously so many of these storylines abound. You know, will the Bolts go 11-7 and seven tonight? I think there's a very good chance of that with um, the fact that Tanner Janot is not playing in Game 1 but may play in Game 2 or Game 3. We don't know. So it'll be interesting to see what, what uh, Coop does tonight. I certainly would. Yeah. I mean, I, I just I don't want to see Maroon, Belmar, and Perry out there together. I can't do it. It's just uh, that line will just you know when they talk about the school bus line, it's the schooled, the schooled bus line. Like they, you know, I think Perry was uh, minus twenty eight. Yeah, he's twenty. We said that yesterday. He was twenty eight minus twenty eight this year. Wow. The like one of the worst I think the worst of, of every any player that's in the playoffs. I believe. Yeah, that's not good. No. So we will, you know, we'll see what what adjustments are made tonight. But uh, Ed Encita that wrote a great uh, piece in the Times today about Vasilevsky and some of the numbers, um, and and they they just confirm what we've known. This is his lowest um, rankings and wins, goals against, and save percentage since this whole thing started. Now, is that all on him? Hell no. A lot of it is about the the different D pairs that they put in front of him. Maybe the lack of defensive intensity. In some of our lines as well, it's not just on the defensemen. Everybody's got to be better in the playoffs, and they know that, and they know how to do it. That's why, you know, that little stretch when they, you know, they had the five-game losing streak, and then they came back and won the two games on the road against the Devils. They played well against Boston up there, uh, held them to two goals and uh, fluky goals at that. Um, then they, they held, uh, I think, the Devils to one or two goals in those games, and they, they kind of solidified their playoff seeding. And then, you know, Vassy kind of took the rest of the year off. And that's fine. That's what I wanted to see. And I think that's the team we're going to see in this series against Toronto. And I think the fact that everybody's picking Toronto helps the Lightning as well. I, I just like a lot of what's happening going into this game. And I'm not too worried about the 
11, 14, and 5 record that they have since February because. Or the road record. The road, I'm not worried about any of it. I just feel like this team knows how to flip the switch and they'll do it. That, I'm not saying that that's going to make them win the cup. It's not what I'm saying. Just to get out of round one. But I think, you know, round one, is, as many of the players will tell you, is the toughest round to win. And, you know, with this particular matchup, we saw that last year. See, and, that's the thing. Because I, I, I think from a talent standpoint, I think Toronto is every bit close to the team that Boston is. Yeah. From a talent standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I can make the argument, honestly, that Toronto has more talent than Boston, actually, top to bottom. Yeah. At least offensively. I could probably make that argument. Yeah. But there's a lot of differences there with Toronto and Boston. From other, Obviously, a net is the biggest one, and, yeah. and defensively. Yeah. So, that's the thing. I think Toronto this year, to me, has felt a little bit different. And we've already heard some good things, or I shouldn't say phrase it like that, but good things if you're a Toronto fan, that these players have gotten, have grown used to like all this pressure, and this year they've had a different attitude in, towards the, the, the media and demeanor, where they're kind of shutting it all out. Yeah. Right? And putting it all in the back of their head. So there's a lot of signs there that tell me that this could be Toronto's year, at least to get out of the first round and, and get that second round matchup with Boston. It's certainly something the league probably would want to the see. League would, the league's dying for it. <laughs> the league would die for it to get the ratings, those Maple Leaf ratings. Um, all right, let's listen to John Cooper uh, yesterday after practice here at Amelie Arena. Sign out there with uh, Tanner uh, back on the ice. Uh, yeah, really. Uh... I mean, we were anticipating this was going to happen. I'm going to whack all these microphones, <laughs> sorry, uh, at some point, but definitely not this early. So it's, uh, uh, we'll see what happens here. He's you know, definitely not um, going in game one, but you know, what went from week to week is definitely, looks like it's been trimmed down to day to day. Is that this kind of special treatment he's been getting to, to kind of accelerate this a little bit? It's called Western Canadian jeans, I think. <laughs> Maybe some stem cells. We talk a lot about the phrase comes up about flipping the switch, quote unquote. But how much of that is getting to an emotional level that you know you need to be at when the postseason begins? Well, it's paramount. You can't. I mean, the game's played with emotion, and and uh, with this group has shown over the years that they can get to a level you need to be to win. Um, That's it. So you know, the, it's a and the most exciting days of the year. It's opening night in the regular season and opening night of the playoffs. They're just, uh, they're, it's like everything's new and everything's back to even Steven and you go play. But uh, really good energy on the ice, so hopefully uh, I know that'll carry over to uh, tomorrow. John, what can you do in a room <coughs> to get, get a guy back that maybe you didn't think that you were going to get back as as quickly, especially at this time? Well, it, it, you want to have your full arsenal and um but he's a really well-liked teammate, and I mean they all are. But he's, uh, you know, he's gone through a lot here to, with the trade and the change, and, and and then he, you know, has a really nasty injury, and so guys are pretty pumped to see him on the ice. John, for so many years you guys have been uh, the hunted. You kind of go into this as, as maybe the hunters this year. Does that is that extra motivation to the guys that, you know, have been to the you know finals three straight years and not maybe getting the respect they have in the past? Mm, I don't know. We've represented the Eastern Conference for three straight years, and we plan on doing it a fourth. Um, you know, we have some different players and got to do it different ways, but uh, there's a core group there that wants to keep uh, this train rolling. And so, um, you know, the problem, the Leafs are going to be a problem. And they're a heck of a team, you know, two teams that know each other well. And, uh, you know, I would expect 
you know, heck of a series, especially with the star power that both teams, uh, you know, produce. So, um, they're, you know, to, to be the best, you got to beat some of the best teams in the league, and uh, the Leafs are one of them. And so we're going to accept this challenge and, and give them everything we have. Uh, but like I said, this this group is, you know, till, I don't know, till somebody gets us, like we're, we're, we're the team that wants to be on top, and uh, we're going to do everything we can to stay on top. You look at the numbers the Leafs have this year defensively. They're obviously improved, at least numbers-wise. What do you see differently in, in how they approach the game? I, I don't know. Like the Leafs, to me, are they just keep making positive strides like every year. And you know, they went from a it's it's, it's a they're a dynamic offensive team with with dynamic players, uh, but they've really you know grown into like a bit of a defensive juggernaut as well and so it, that's kind of a recipe you need to uh, to win in this league and it's like I said it's it, you know, get some playoff series here that it's a shame you know when you get to this one team's going to be out but it uh, it seems to happen every year where you know you've got some of these marquee matchups that you hopefully you'd see down the line but with uh, you know, with only eight teams in the conference making the playoffs, a lot of these matchups happen in the first round. So, uh, but they're good for hockey, and they're a lot of fun. There's uh, John Cooper. Um, look, and I think he said what we've been talking about is that this group knows what it takes to get the intensity level to that level, that playoff level, and that's not going to be seen in the regular season for the most part. So. <laughs> it's a whole new season. Good luck. Let's see what kind of team we got in the playoffs. All right, quick break. When we come back, Patrick Burnham's going to join us from the Osceola. We're going to talk some Florida State football as they just had their spring game. And the Seminoles are uh, top six, top seven preseason, maybe heading to the college football playoff. We shall see. Quick break. Back with Pat Burnham from the Osceola next. Stay with us. there is no better place to shop for jewelry than the gold and diamond source they are the family jewelers and they will treat you like family they'll make it a fun experience people come from all over to shop at the gold and diamond source because of their great customer service and incredible impeccable reputation no sales pressure no intimidation and they have the largest selection of hand-picked diamonds and by the way diamonds are the april birthstone so this month only they are offering 15 percent off their diamond birthstone collection available on to select products and you probably heard a lot about lab created diamonds folks they hold no real value you will have no resale value whatsoever with a lab created diamond and of course it's fake it doesn't mean as much the golden diamond source has plenty of options to accommodate any budget folks interest-free financing up to five years a layaway program 20 percent down and only six monthly payments and of course the diamond savings account where you get full value of your diamond when you look to upgrade it's all there for you at the golden diamond source 3800 Homerton road always online at the golden ladies and gentlemen are you looking to lose weight or just lean up for bathing suit season where there are so many diets and chiropractors and weight loss clinics out there you don't know where to start right we'll start at bay area modern medical center Chris Lugo, PA, and his professional staff will devise a personal plan for you that gets results and will help you keep the weight off. Everybody metabolizes food and supplements differently. Many of these other approaches are designed for the masses. So how's that going to work for you specifically? It's not. 
Chris will spend one-on-one time with you to find out what works best for you so the weight comes off safely without the use of harmful drugs and side effects. Call 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the Internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fan Stream Sports. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show, brought to you by the great folks at the Golden Diamond Source. April first stone is the diamond, so they've got 50% off diamond jewelry over there, certain diamond jewelry. So if you're in a market for some earrings or some other bling, Golden Diamond Source, always the place to go. 3800 Omerton Road, always online at goldendiamondsource.com. All right, uh, patiently waiting in the wings, our good friend Pat Burnham from the Osceola Recruiting Analyst and so much more. Been watching all the practices up in Tallahassee this spring. What's up, Patrick? How are you, my friend? Doing great, guys. It's been a long time. Nice to see you. Good to have you on again, man, because it's um, everybody's talking about the Seminoles, number six in some preseason polls. Those are very important this time of year, no, no question. But, uh, look, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's hard to deny the momentum that's going on at Florida State right now. Um, and, and we'll start with a little recruiting no- news. Landon Thomas, as you guys reported uh-huh. yesterday, has flipped from Georgia to Florida State, the number one ranked tight end in the 2024 class. What can you tell me about this cat? Well, you know, listen, the writing was kind of on the wall on Saturday. He was in Tallahassee while he was still committed to Georgia for FSU spring game while Georgia was having its spring game. So, right, you know, and he'd been on campus 10 days prior, uh, actually a little bit less than 10 days prior to that. Uh, we tried to talk to him after that particular visit. He was not wanting to talk to the press, which kind of lets you know something was going on. We probably try to talk to these kids too much on these visits. But anyway, long story short, uh, the writing was on the wall, but listen, uh, unbelievable player, long, athletic. When you look at his film, you understand why he's the number one tight end prospect in America. Um, listen, this has a chance to, as you said, momentum on the recruiting trail. They're now ranked number five by the rivals rankings for the 2024 class. And this is the kind of kid that will maybe have another kid that's decide between Florida State and another yeah program kind of say hey i want to be a part of that and uh we've seen some tweets from other prospects that are on florida state's radar talking about what a good class this is turning out to be but you watch his film listen uh he's got uh 
above average speed for a tight end. He's got really good hands. He does a great job of settling into zone coverages and giving his quarterback a nice hole mm -hmm. uh, to throw to. And listen, he's willing to block. You don't see a lot of that on his highlight tape, but he's certainly willing to block both as a unit tight end. They use him as an H back. They lead with him that way. Um, and you know, listen, it's kind of he was uh, he's similar. If I don't know if you guys know who Alan Lazard is, but yeah, he kind of reminds me of a. Uh, he's not quite as tall as Allen. Allen was 6'5", coming out of high school, uh, about 205. Uh, Landon is 6'4", 220. Uh, he's, but he looks like he's a little bit bigger version of Allen Lazard from a weight standpoint and maybe a little bit more athletic. Now, um, you know, Allen was a bigger receiver coming out of high school, but as I started going back in my mind, who I've seen out coming out of high school that it reminds yeah. me of, I went back and watched Allen's film today. Uh, this kid's just a little bit more, probably a little bit more physical than Allen, uh, and has a little, obviously, the groom to grow into a major college football tight end. But yeah, listen, uh, big, big news for Florida State yeah. on the recruiting front, and they're in play with some, you know, even, uh, they got a kid out of, uh, running back out of, Phoenix, Arizona there, Christian Clark, uh, one of the top five running backs in the nation. He's the uh, cousin, uh, nephew of Kenny Felder. Uh, he's been on oh, campus. Okay. And the quality of kid that they are getting on campus repetitively is much improved uh, from when Mike took over. There's no doubt about that. Wow. And we've always said that winning is the biggest tool a college football program has <laughs> in its toolbox. It's right. not the alternative uniforms and the buildings and all those things. Those, those are nice when you have them. Uh, but and you you certainly see what ten wins has yeah. done for Mike Norvell. And listen, the th I th we've been out at Florida State. They've had recruits at every practice. Uh, we they've had three unofficial visit weekends um, on Saturdays. It was, uh, they did three junior days in January. Um, all these kids come out raving about the family atmosphere that Mike has created with this wow. program. Wow. Uh, and the uh, the the, the what they've done uh, from one year ago about the quality of players they're getting on yeah. campus has been spectacular. And listen, you know, it's not every day that you beat the, the reigning national champion for a player right. in their own state. So I think you got to give Mike and his staff uh, a lot of props for getting that kid flipped. And uh, the kid had talked about it after he flipped about Mike's uh, persistence. And of course, he grew up a Florida State fan, but a, a t but he made his decision on Sunday morning. He texted his coach while his co high school coach was sitting in church, uh, and told him, "Listen, I want to flip." And his high school coach said, "Let me get out of church, and I'll call you, and we'll talk about it." Uh, but uh, you know, it was uh, it, but the kid had wanted to come to Florida State. Right. He had committed to Florida State as a freshman. They nailed him, big time. Get it moved Florida State from number eight in the rankings to number five. Uh, so yeah, a lot of excitement, and uh, obviously, a lot of that excitement is. Not only because of what they did last year, but uh, what we've seen during spring practice with uh, this being Mike's deepest team and has potentially could be his most talented team going into year four. And the point that you were making there of taking a kid from Colquitt County yep. away from Georgia. And he was a reigning that two-time reigning national champion. Two-time. I mean, this is this is this is like seismic shifting yeah. and recruiting like people if you don't understand it's not just about the tight end it's about what just happened now here's a kid that probably grew up a Seminole fan Georgia came in his high school coach I'm sure has a connection to Kirby and has delivered yep. many players to Georgia and here's a kid that just was like listen my heart is not in it I want to go to Florida State and this is a big deal this is a huge shift 
that uh, that, that could be seismic and if, if other guys follow him. But I can't say enough about what Mike Norvell has been able to do here. That's this big yeah, deal. Obviously, however he is selling his vision of where yes. Florida State is going <laughs> yes. is working. Uh, you know, the, we've heard talk to parents that have come out impressed with what they've been presented by the coaches. You know, we I can't remember the kid's name, but I think it might have been Jordan Seaton or the or Marquise Easley, who are both top ten rated offensive linemen in the country. And the kid said, one of those two kids said, "Listen, when I saw my mom shaking my head in agreement with uh, what Mike was saying, I was, he goes, I'd never seen her do that before. <laughs> she's she's never been in lockstep." with what a, another college football head coach has told her or telling her son. So, listen, uh, he's, he, he certainly seems to be authentic. We hear about how genuine he is and how honest he is with these kids on their visits. So, uh, listen, uh, it's working. The wins are, the winning helps, and uh, whatever they're doing with these kids on the, these given weekends uh, is uh, certainly paying off. And you mentioned the word family there, like creating a family culture, and I think that's evident by the amount of guys who stayed for this year and said they had unfinished business and wanted to do something special here at Florida State. And I point to Jordan Travis, who has really kind of become the leader, it feels like, of this program on the field. Uh, And Mike was even saying today, I saw an interview, he thinks he's the most improved player like going into this year. Like based on what, I mean, based on what we saw last year, what do you think the ceiling is there for Jordan Travis? Well, listen, I think he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in America if he's not already. Um, he is a guy that can just continue to get better and better and better. And, you know, obviously he is motivated by the fact that a lot of people didn't think he was a pocket passer. And, you know, he certainly has improved there. And, of course, we know what a dynamic athlete he is. And, listen, we've said this since early on when we started. The way he plays is why he's the leader of this team. I, I use the term warrior when you're talking about Jordan Travis, but to your point, Nick, Mike has talked about he has continued to get better each and every day. And, yeah, this is definitively his team. I think it was his team last year. Uh, he has an innate quality to lead people that most people do not have, and this team is certainly going to go as Jordan goes. But, listen, uh, there is a he's got some talent around him, man. I think one of the things that was interesting, particularly early on in spring, was the, despite the fact that this team has a lot of veterans coming back and they brought a lot of veterans in for the portal, was a number of young kids that stood out. I'm talking about Brock Glenn, who should be in high school still, and uh, Quindarius Jones, who should be in high school still. I mean, yeah. uh, Dre Jacobs, who, I mean, repetitively these kids showed up. Uh, so, Listen, the future is bright for Florida State. I certainly understand why there's a sense of excitement. The ESPN just released its uh, football power index for 2023, and Florida State's ranked 14th uh, there. That is the high, the lowest, I guess, they've been ranked uh, in any preseason poll that I've seen. So, uh, listen, it's fun to watch. It's been fun to watch. I mean, uh, you know, uh, the defensive tackle situation is unbelievable. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, they the could be as dominant. Interior. Yeah, Listen, I, I just was writing down notes before I came on here. Uh, you know, uh, you've got guys, you've got Bless Harris, Jeremiah Byers, and Robert Scott, and then you throw Julian Armella into the mix yes. at offensive tackle. Uh, there could, there's a chance that a guy that was a, either all conference player or started uh, at Florida State last year may not start this year. I mean, that's how far they've come depth wise on the offensive line because Bless started against LSU with Robert Scott. Jeremiah Byers was a all-conference player at UTEP two years in a row, and certainly uh, 
probably the most athletic of all FSU's offensive linemen, along with Bless. So, you know, the, the, the competition, JP, and you remember back in the old days when you and I were running around campus as college <laughs> students, competition is really what made yes. Florida State good. Because if you didn't practice, you may not get your spot back. I mean, you, you can see guys get Wally pipped at Florida State practices oh, God, if they yes. miss. Uh, and listen, you're, so they're starting to get back to that, that level. Uh, you know, listen, uh, Dale Jackson and Josh Farmer and Fabian Lovett were absolutely dominant at times this spring. They could not be blocked. Uh, you know, you haven't even thrown uh, Braden Fisk into the mix, the all-conference player from uh, Western Michigan. Michigan yeah. uh, so you got him. And then, you know, I, I Obama Tafasi, uh, he, you know, he's a kid that's got a bright future in front of him. And, you know, so there's some depth issues at linebacker and defensive end when you lose Derek McClendon in the portal at yeah. uh, defensive end and you lose uh, Brendan Gann at linebacker. Right now on campus, Florida State has six linebackers on scholarship. But, uh, listen, uh, this has a – it's going to be interesting to see what personality this team forms together over the summer program mm-hmm. when they come back in the fall. Now, you know, I think one of the things that helped me – get a better idea of what was going on with this team last year was the fact that I didn't see any spring ball. I came back from Atlanta working uh, for with a uh, indoor f- pro football league, yeah. and, but there was a discernible difference in the way this team carried itself last year going into camp uh, as opposed to the year before. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see uh, what kind of uh, personality this team develops over the summer and going into fall camp, but uh, there's a lot of reason to be excited. Patrick Bernie joining us from the Osceola, uh, part of the Rivals Network. Um, you, you talked about the linebackers, and you know this has been one of those things where that has been uh, a bit of a weakness for the Seminoles. But now you've got two redshirt seniors in Tatum Bethune and Kalen Deloach. And Deloach, I know, had a good spring scrimmage. Um, DJ Lunday's in the mix. You got this kid Blake Nicholson, who's not on campus yet, who's yep. a true freshman coming from California. But from a, from an inside linebacker position, there seems to be a lot of consistency and and could be a, a strength of this team. Would you agree? Yeah. Listen, I, you know, you don't really worry about the numbers so much if they're going to go continue with that four two five base defense. Right. Uh, where you get worried about depth at linebackers if they want to go run a base four uh, three. You know, you got six guys on scholarship now that are on campus that have been in the system. You know, can Blake Nicholson and Dylan Brown Turner come in and number one, play as freshmen, learn the system. But, and listen, and we've got Florida State over, depending on whether it's Kurt or Bob doing the math, by at least one scholarship to two scholarships. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's still going to be some guys there in the portal based yeah. off that number. Now, will Florida State address any of what they feel are deficiencies through the portal, which means they're gonna, there's going to have to be more than – even one or two leave the program. So I, I think that's going to be fascinating. Yeah. Do do they attack the portal? Listen, and there's going to you know the portal just opened on uh, April fifteenth. So these kids have another 12, uh, 11 days to figure out what they're going to do. Uh, will Florida State see any attrition from the portal? So uh, we still got some little bit of time to go before we know exactly what the roster is going to look like. But uh, either way, I mean, uh, you know, it. You know, if a guy's leaving, he's probably, probably means he's not in your plans, right? So, right. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I, listen, I, it's uh, it's been fun to watch this spring. It's a team that likes to compete against each other, and they seem to be very close knit. Uh, and it's going to be a fascinating off season. And uh, listen, this is the worst part of this job because now you're waiting to August to see these guys <laughs> on the field again. Now, I hope nobody the good, gets in trouble. The good news for us is I'm working in recruiting and. 
I will start hitting the road in May to go watch some of these high school prospects go through spring practice, and that'll help speed up the process. But uh, listen, it's uh, it's amazing how far this team has come since the Osceola rebranded itself as a website That's, in 2019. Oh. <laughs> okay, so it's all you guys. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Hey. No, well, I think it has more to do with Mike Norvell than it has to do with the Osceola. I'm just saying when they were they were stinking it up yes. in 2019 when we restarted this thing, and uh, they've they, helped. You know, they've helped subscriptions dramatically, is what you're saying. That's good. <laughs> well, and you can help subscriptions if you're. Uh, if your listeners would go to theosceola.com and go. subscribe to us. So, yeah, so uh, if you want to if you want to check, we got great content on there. Uh, we'll have a live recap show tomorrow at 1230. Uh, we try not to compete against JP, so we wait till 1230 <laughs> to go live on, on YouTube. So, uh, so if you go to yeah. the Osceola YouTube channel, we're going to kind of do a roundtable. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Landon Thomas situation, and uh, who knows, they may have a, a, another commitment or two before them. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Nine ninety five a month. You can't go wrong if you're a Seminole fan. Come on, get on it. Get on it right now. Hey, by, by the way, I did want to ask you about one guy offensively. It seems like he's been a, a spring kind of standout is Kintron Pointier. Uh, and I saw yeah. he was most improved player, I want to say, offensively last year. He was They named him. And it sounded like he had a really good scrimmage um, the other day. So what kind of level of excitement are you hearing about him? Well, listen, he has stood out all spring. He's been one of the more consistent receivers. You see him make plays every day. Uh, I think he's a guy that's just, you know, coming into his own. He's, you know, we don't we're, we get too impatient sometimes when these kids don't develop as quickly as we would like. And I think, listen, I think he's another guy that uh, has the competition level at that position has helped him because they are very deep at wide receiver. You got eleven guys on scholarship. You got Winston Wright entering, entering the mix, who looked very good early in spring who was one of the best receivers in the Big 12. Right. Uh, you know, Johnny, Johnny Wilson was limited a little bit in practice. And uh, so, listen, I think they – and Dre Jacobs, the freshman, has shown out. But, yeah, Kentron definitely, to me, uh, without knowing what – you know, to me he was the standout receiver for the spring uh, and uh, looks like he's going to take that next step in his development based off what he did in the spring. Is Micah Pittman going to be ready for – uh, for fall, or what's his injury situation? Yeah, listen, his, uh, it's four it's four to six months to come back from whatever that sur- surgery he had on his hips. I don't know the, the on a hip, on his hip. I don't know what the details are. Uh, yeah. Listen, people come back from different injuries, uh, but that puts them about online to be there towards the start of the season. If that is that four to six months is correct uh, with that kind of injury, I listen. Uh, how long does it take to, for him to get into football shape after that? But uh, even with even with Michael was to be delayed, uh, you still got to feel good about where you are from a receiver standpoint. With uh, you know you get you finally get Winston right on the field. Jakai Douglas has looked really good at times. Yeah. Uh, so Deuce yeah, I, I, and, and you got another free got Goldie Lawrence coming in. That's in right. Hakeem Williams. In the fall. Yep. Yeah. So and Dre Jacobs. Listen, man, that 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 kid does not look like a true freshman on the field. Uh, that kid's got a chance to play a lot as a as a true freshman. So he, he look better than Hakeem Williams, who's the five star. Um... If you're asking me, yes. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're asking me, yes, he's he is the more ready of the two uh, as it stands right now. Embarrassment of riches uh, for for uh, for FSU. Um, so just in general, we, we wrap this up. You you talk about guys like Jared Verse coming back and Trey Benson. And, you know, we could talk about all the, the young guys coming in, but that's going to be the core along with uh, Jordan Travis. 
it just it's it's mind blowing almost that they were able to bring these guys back. And what's it, it feels like there's just something super special going on. You know, we kind of felt that um, back in in the in the late '80s before the dynasty run because the recruiting was just so good. And Bobby was just building such a great culture around there. It just seems to feel very similar to that with the way people talk about Mike Norvell, like you do, the authenticity, the genuineness, the family atmosphere. And then, you know, the proof is in the pudding. The wins and the recruiting are just going through the roof. Does it does it kind of feel like this is a similar situation? We were both around back then, or at least. Yeah, I well. You know, I was speaking to a group last week, and you know, I said, you know, there were a lot, there are a lot of longtime Florida State uh, supporters or were former coaches there. Uh, and uh, you know, the one thing I said is, you know, every time we're outside on these Saturdays and after these practices, talking to these kids, the recruits, they talk about what a family atmosphere it feels like when they're around this staff, and that they call it, it feels like home. Uh, listen. Uh, that, and I don't want to make expectations any bigger than they already are about the future of the program. Right. But the reality of it is the last time you heard the words family and home about this program was when Coach Bowden was yeah. the coach. Yep. Uh, now, listen, <laughs> Mike Norvell and this program have a long way to go to get there. Right. Uh, but they're certainly headed in the right direction. And I listen – you hear this from recruit after recruit after recruit. This is not just a one-off thing where people are coming out talking about family and home. Uh, so, at, you know, at whatever they're doing is working with these recruits and these families. All right, Pat, uh, I know you gave the pitch already, but go ahead and tell everybody again how they can uh, get the Osceola and what you guys got going on the next uh, couple weeks. Yeah, well, listen, uh, we are obviously going to have some post-spring analysis and obviously getting ready to ramp up recruiting as the coaches will hit the road uh, recruiting in April, last half of April and the entire month of May. Uh, but you can go to floridastate.rivals.com or theosceola.com. Uh, we've got a scholarship number, as I just said. We'll take a look at who's on scholarship and how that may impact the portal. Uh, obviously, the, some breakdown of Landon Thomas' commitment and uh, – I just came back from an all-star rivals camp on Saturday and Sunday in Atlanta where they had, I believe, 30 of the top 250 prospects in America, either from the classes of 2024, 2025. Uh, and listen, uh, we got evaluations on some of those kids, video on some of those kids, awesome. and I got my practice report uh, or my camp report uh, after I watched these kids. But listen, uh, please check us out, theosceola.com, Florida State dot rivals.com both will get you to the same place and we think you'll enjoy the content yes you will indeed and with patrick eyes on these particular players out at their high schools at these showcases trust that more than the stars that you see on some of these rankings because those are the eyes of somebody who's been around a while and knows good football so thank you for going out there and putting that in and you guys put the time in and do it so that's that's the difference we really appreciate that you don't just read lists and regurgitate them you actually scout them so that's that's a big deal thank you for your well, efforts my friend yeah i appreciate it guys hey y'all uh, listen y'all gotta get the race turned around lost three or four i know this whole city's <laughs> The whole city's in a panic. I mean, everybody's canceling their World Series, World uh, World Series plans. We're, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, All right, guys. We'll get the pitchers healthy. They'll be fine. Thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Yeah, the Osceola.com. Um, all right, quick break. We'll come back on the other side, and we'll, uh, we will got some Kyle Trask for you. Um, we're going to talk about the Rays Stadium situation. Very interesting article in the Times today. And um, a lot of behind-the-scenes things going on. I don't think that's a good thing. Talk about it next. Stay with us.
Hey guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old, it's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well, so do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional, targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fans Dream Sports. Welcome back. To the J.P. Peterson Show here. we got a few minutes left. Going to get into a few more topics. Rays Stadium. We have a wrestling story that is uh, of great interest to myself and Nick. A wrestling story? I thought we were outlawed from talking about wrestling. Well, not when it involves the Cavender Twins. Oh, we make exceptions now, aren't yes, we? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, maybe we might be able to squeeze some Kyle Trask in as well. Which is a little bit some interesting stuff yesterday. So to this <laughs> news fest. All right, um, not as interesting as the Baker Mayfield press conference. I think is what you're what you're trying to say. Hey, I mean a quarterback going for 15 minutes though. What is, what is that? I don't know who that. I don't know what that is. It wasn't Tom Brady? That's for sure. <laughs> um, the alarm would have gone off at nine minutes. All right. So, um, gosh, I'm sorry. I get this. Anyway, you got the story about the about the Ray Stadium, correct? Yes, the Ray Stadium, which you have got me all choked up. I know, (laughs) me all choked up. Yeah, so this was interesting. So the St. Pete uh, Times or Tampa Times, still very St. Pete-ish. Colleen Wright and Jack Evans um, were dispatched to find out what was going on with the negotiations, and they put out all these public records requests and. Evidently, uh, what's going on now is they're trying to keep all these negotiations in the dark. 
and the Rays are doing their best and the county commissioners are doing their best and the people that are negotiating are due to uh, jump through certain hoops <coughs> so they don't have to have any public documents. Now, I'm no uh, political uh, expert here, but whenever political people are trying to keep things in the dark, that's not a good sign. It doesn't sound good. That's not a good sign. It's not a good sign. And um, the city council member, Lisette Hanowitz, said, quote, they asked us not to share the conversations. I'm trying to at least respect the process to make sure that we're engaged. I don't want there to be a scenario where we're not engaged because of stuff that's coming up in the news and it causes issues with negotiations. Um, uh, the article continues here. City Council member Gina Driscoll agreed that it was best to keep the discussions between the negotiating parties for now. Uh, quote, I do feel really confident that this is truly putting our city's best interests first as they work on this. Uh, I think the details of the negotiations on something that's this big, if someone doesn't know the whole story, they might arrive at a conclusion that is simply not accurate. With a deal this complicated, you can't really disclose one piece of it because that's not the whole story. <laughs> yes, we're going to protect you people because it's so it's so hard to figure out who's going to pay for the stadium and who's not going to pay for the stadium and how much public money is going into it and how much isn't. So you 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 little people, I know it is your money, um, but we're not going to tell you until the deal is done. Is that okay? No, it's not okay. It's not okay at all because this is what's going on. Stu Sternberg is playing you again, again. And Stu Sternberg has asked you guys, oh, let's keep this quiet. So as I take a billion dollars of public money to build my stadium, inflate the value of the team, and then get the hell out by selling it and leave you guys with a stadium that, that is poorly located or terribly located, say thanks for the money, bye bye And then we're stuck with this stadium. Because you wanted to build a stadium in a place where it doesn't belong. And, of course, Mayor Welch doesn't want the people of St. Petersburg to know he's going to spend a billion dollars of their money and give it to a billionaire to enrich him. And it's still going to be the worst location of any baseball or any stadium in America. What are we doing? What are we do- like? How This is the only way this is going to get done is in, with a backroom deal that's already done before the people can weigh in. And you know why they're doing this? It's not because you wouldn't understand how it works. It's because they know if they put it out into the public that they're going to spend a billion dollars on a ridiculously located stadium that the people are going to go bananas. So that's why they don't want it out there. And I, I just, for the life of me, can't understand why people think that this is okay. And where's the editorial that comes along with this from the Times saying, this is not okay. This is the biggest public money deal and maybe in the history of St. Petersburg. And you guys are okay with the fact that the city council and and the mayor and the Rays are not making public any of these discussions? That's okay for for a for a for a newspaper? Um maybe there isn't a accompanying uh, editorial, I don't know. But no, this the, the, uh, listen, we're old enough, we're big enough, we can understand what's going on. Now, I, I get, I get to, to some degree, you can't do all the negotiating out in public. I get that. But there has to be a some level of updating 
to what's going on before something is done. Now, there's not going to be a public vote on this. This is going to be the, the city commission, I guess, or city or county, yeah, city council that's going to be able to vote on this. So if they're going to go ahead and, and get the negotiations done and vote on it and then it be done before there's any public comment, and, and the only public comment we've had on this was the was really the election of Mayor Welsh, and, and you have and your mandate was not necessarily to give a billion dollars to a billionaire who has basically given the city of St. Pete the finger and the St. and Rays fans the finger for the majority of his ownership, and suddenly we're going to trust the guy who's being sued by his partners for fiduciary fraud, and you're and, and you're going to do all this in the dark. Am I missing something here? Am I am I missing something here? I don't believe so. No. What? Like this is okay? This is a thing? Has anything? <laughs> has anything about this entire process for twenty years ever made sense or? But where where is the, gone together? Where is the public outrage? Like where is where is the journalistic outrage? You're going to spend a billion dollars, and especially for. <laughs> Excuse me, but for the times, for for a billion billionaire to get another billion dollars of public money, and we're going to talk about this not in the sunshine. And I understand. Listen, you you did the public records request, you did it all, and you and you wrote the story. But where is the outrage that this is not something that that, that the public is going to be able to weigh in on, Mayor Welch? Why are you doing this in the dark and not letting the public weigh in on this? Does the public, the people of St. Petersburg, don't go to the games? I do want to ask you a question, though. I do want to ask you a question. I know it's early this season, and you know, winning has helped the whole thing. But we yeah. were there last week on a weekday game, yeah, and we saw nearly twenty-two thousand in that yeah. in that stadium. Yeah. Even the two prior games, getting thirteen or fourteen, whatever it was, I thought was a win for a weekday, right? Attendance has been up by almost four to five thousand on average this yeah. year. Yeah. Say this trend continues this season. And they end with an average attendance around 17 or 18, which is around where it's at right now. They end with that, which is a 5,000 increase on last year. Do you think any differently about that location no. this year, given the fact that the Rays have changed their marketing strategies and they're making an effort to get more people in the stadium? No. I don't know if you saw, but there's rumblings that they're going to open up the upper deck for the Yankee series. Ooh, wow. wow a lot of rumblings for that. Nice. Get more people in the building. Awesome. Because there seems to be a demand for it. I mean... Does anything change your opinion on that if it went there that it could work? No. No. Because I have 25 years True. of data that tells me it does not. And just because they finally start marketing the team. Well, that was my, going to be my rebuttal. are off to a 13-0 start. That's my rebuttal, though. I want to see how the whole year goes. Yeah. But they have yeah, these When mar- this team goes south. Well, no. let's see. If they keep these marketing things going, though, and let's say it continues to work, and then you just continue to do that in the years going forward, I mean, you can almost make the argument like, okay, it's going to work. Especially if you're just putting a 25,000-seat stadium in the first place. No, I, I, I still think it's a failed location. It, it's, these are hard. This is hard data. It's not just based Listen, on St. I Peter's agree Street. with you. I'm yeah. just trying to. No, I get it. It's a, it's yeah. a good, it's a good um, you know, devil's advocate question to ask. But I think the other factors of the fact that you know, there are $10 tickets, the 13-0 start, um, you know, the fact that uh, it, it, there has been some, some good momentum uh, of ownership, but who's to say that they won't just flip back to do things the way they used to do once they get the money, the public money, you know, which is very on brand for Stu Sternberg, or just sell the team and be left with a poorly located stadium, and the t- and whoever buys the team is not going to have the money to operate it um, 
efficiently because they're going to pay so much for the actual purchase of the team, blah, 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 blah. So, no, I think the, the future of this team is in Tampa because of the location and the, you know, three times as many people within a 30-minute drive. That's, that's not insignificant. That's wholly significant. And it's, and it's not even about right now. It's about five years from now when the, when the stadium opens. What will the population patterns be? They'll still need no more people in St. Petersburg, but there's probably going to be another million people between St. Peter or, or Tampa and Orlando, and in that surrounding area as the population uh, trends continue. So you're never going to get more people within a 30-minute drive of St. Petersburg, significantly more, unless you build up, and that's just not something that's going to happen to a large degree in St. Petersburg. But it is going to happen in the Tampa in the Tampa area, and it's so much more accessible to to the majority of the fan base. So yeah, I, I still don't. Th- I think it's a terrible idea politically, and I think it's something where the same thing happened in Miami. You had a bunch of people in Miami that were scared to quote lose the Marlins, and they went and built a stadium in a terrible location because they didn't want to quote lose the Marlins. And what they've done is they built a huge stadium that nobody goes to because it's poorly located. And a beautiful, huge stadium that nobody goes because it's poorly located. Nobody goes to the games in that area. It's too economically depressed. Nobody wants to go to games in that area. So, no, you'd be making the same mistake that they made in Miami. And and and, and, it, it, the, only, and the only reason they're keeping it all quiet is because Stu is playing you guys. City Council, you, I wish you people let's would not, just wake not, up. Let's not rip your best friend now. Yeah, he did shake my hand. He did, he did extend the hand. He did extend. Yeah. Thank you for coming. My hand's still hurting for that. Ooh, firm handshake. Wow. Did you have to squeeze it that? Uh, so that's what I think is going on. Um, I think it's interesting that from this uh, report here, they did not ask for any public records request be- between the people in Tampa because it's our understanding that the Rays are still talking to the people in Tampa as well in Hillsborough County. So what? What are they doing the same thing? Over there, I would like to know. Maybe I should make a public records request. Mm. Maybe I should. Um, all right, what, did you, what were you telling me about the Cavender Twins? They are on their way to WWE. WWE? They, they entered, instead of the WNBA. <clears throat> they announced a... Well, I don't think they're even good enough for the WNBA, respectfully. I don't think they are, no, um, they are either. They announced that they were leaving Miami last week, and there was all these rumblings that they were going to go... Because they had another year of eligibility. Yes, and there yeah. were all these rumblings, I guess, they were going to WWE... And I think that it was denied that they were, but I guess today I saw a story this morning that I guess they are, and they plan to start this spring at the Performance Center in Orlando. Well, there you go. So why, like, why do basketball girls going into wrestling? Because they can make a hell of a lot more money. The rookie salary in the WNBA is $77,000. In fact, that's why some of these girls stay in college, because they make more in NIL money than they do playing in the WNBA. How about that? Yeah, and uh, I mean, the draw there, you were asking me why would they go there, and I'm like, they are going to make a ton of money yes. if they get to the main roster. Because yes. I was telling you there was a, a the Bella Twins, which you know, probably from reality TV. Yes. I mean, they've heard of them, yes. And that's a great, and that's honestly the draw right there. Yeah. They can learn how to wrestle and everything and take it serious. You can get on the main roster. Obviously, they're very attractive. They're going to get on TV pretty soon. And they can do kind of what the Bella Twins did. And I told you they had like this whole little switch. They look identical. You yep. won't tell who's who in the ring. And mm-hmm. they could do kind of the same gimmick, if you will. 
They'll have a lot of success. I'm sure they'll turn it into a reality show or whatever. They're going to make money on the side regardless forever. It's a money-making venture. Why would you, why would you try to t- pedal with women's basketball professionally when you can do this? It's brilliant. It's really? brilliant. Why wouldn't you? Absolutely. I wholly, I wholly endorse it. I'd be, I'd be interested to see if they change their appearance in any way. In WWE? Yeah. Uh, no. You know, I, I wouldn't think they'd mess with something like that. No? In any way? No. Didn't the Bella Twins get some enhancements? One Bella. <laughs> Half a Bella. <laughs> I think. So they won't be identical anymore. You'll be able to tell the difference. Get the stats. Um, <laughs> I think that's rather interesting. All right. Uh, so we got some some hockey tonight, 730 Bally Sports. Tune in uh, to the pregame show with all our good friends, Dave and Chief and Andy and Paul and uh, all the, the whole gang there. It's great to have them on board for the first round, and we'll see what uh, what happens tonight. Can't wait to see. I am completely uh, – it, it's going to be fun. No question about that. It's And it's a matter of who shows up. I think you'll see the best Lightning team by some time in this series. I don't know if it'll be game one, but we shall see. All right, our thanks to Pat Burnham. Uh, who joined us today. We'll be back tomorrow. Hopefully, uh, we usually have Scott Reynolds on on our Wednesday, so we'll get his take as well on what's going on over at One Buck Place. Have a great day, everybody. Go Bolts. Go Rays.